Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Paul Cowland and I am a professional car enthusiast. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Hello, welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast, and apologies in advance for everything you're about to hear. And what, are we allowed to swear? What's the... Uh, I'm, I'll, can we I'll, drop any F-bombs or C-bombs? Will it... F's and C's will have to bleep. Okay. Which, for our audio editor Tom, is a bit of a pain. Um, but you know what he could do as well, and we did this a couple of times on television, where we've said flipping, mm. and they've actually bleeped it to make yes. it look racier than it is. Ah. So he could actually do that in a couple of the things and make me look cooler and more street than I am. Yeah, or if you tell stories and do a celebrity name drop. Oh, yeah. It's like nobody. But then so we'll we just say allegedly it. before every celebrity story, <laughs> yeah. even if it's true. And, and that's then... when I woke up in a hotel room next to beep. Allegedly. Then, well, who's that? Wow. Yeah. Um, right, well, let's say an official hello. Hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat podcast. As you've heard there from the introduction and a little bit of um, gargled waffle, uh, this week's guest is Paul Cowland. Hello, Paul. Hello, John. And hello, lovely listeners. Ah, they are lovely. They are ever so lovely. And um, we are coming to you this week, just Paul and I, from the underbelly of the NEC, the National Exhibition Centre, based in the West Midlands, at, and I always have to look at my press pass because I always get the name wrong, the Lancaster Insurance Classic Motor Show 2023. This is, we should describe the unadulterated glamour here. Yes. In this room, basically we're in a room with no windows, <laughs> a carpet that was probably fashionable about 20 years ago. Mm. Horrendous acoustics, but... Yes. Don't let that... Let's paint... Actually, that's a lie. We're looking out across a beautiful lake... With swans, yes. the sun is shining, yes. there's billowing clouds, 
And all around us are the beautiful people of Birmingham. That's right. That's actually what we can see. Yes, indeed, indeed. I'm trying to work out in my head where we actually are because we've got some very thick walls around us. So I think on the side of this room is a, a sausage roll stand and then on that side is some classic cars and kit cars. Well, that's actually part of my rider for this interview. Uh-huh. I always demand to be within 10 metres of a sausage roll stand Perfect. at all times. But so. you didn't specify if there was a wall in between. So. Did you know, just anyone listening to this, so we are now... The main concourse of the NEC, if you ever want to get into the NEC and not pay, basically there's a media centre here, and between the inner and outer halls there's loads of little doors, and you can often run through for free. (laughs) But officially, we should say, (laughs) don't do that. Don't do that, it's naughty. But you can do it if you haven't got your ticket, or if your ticket's on the inside, or if your mate's on the stand, and you can't find them. Yeah. I have done that. I think I have as well. Yeah. Yeah. But officially, you should never do that. No, you should never do that, because that's basically stealing. Yes, theft. Yeah, indeed. Um, now, Paul, this is the second time you've been on with us, but when you came on with us before, it was many... Oh, do you know what? I'm tempted to say it was nearly two years ago. I it think was. it was two years ago. I don't think we've aged a day. No, 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 no. You and I haven't. Everyone no. else has. Have you seen so what Amy? beauty regime are you using? Because you look fabulous. Uh, it's a mixture of um, Stratford-upon-Avon water and sand. And I just... Just give it a go. Oh, good... a braid. Yeah. You were braid That's daily. It. No. Yeah, so it's a good the, look. The skin keeps growing. How old are you now, John? Thirty. I just turned thirty-six. Wow, it's just such a whippersnapper. See, I'm fifty this year. Are you really? I'm fifty years old now. How does that make you feel? Old, mm. decrepit. <laughs> but you look very good for fifty. Thank you. I've still got most of my hair and all of my teeth, so I'm quite happy about yeah, that. That's, yeah, that's true. That is a blessing. I don't think either of us are going to be follically challenged. No, hopefully not. So if, if I do, just straight to Turkey. I'm there. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to be teeth one of those and hair. On one go. <laughs> I think you get a you get like a combination deal, like a meal deal. Oh, it seems quite cheap. I've had a few friends that have done it, and I have, have to you? say, you know, when it goes, I, I might consider it. I might be out there. Is it it's going very grey now. It's well, true. No, Drew. No, Drew actually went to Harley Street for his teeth. He's got beautiful teeth. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily his own, but they're amazing. Somebody's teeth. Yeah, somebody's oh, teeth. Gorgeous. Somewhere there's a small child missing his head of teeth. <laughs> small Chinese child. <laughs> and he had them custom made, and they are amazing. Wow. His new teeth. There you go. Sponsored by Drew Pritchell's <laughs> teeth. There's a, tell you what, so let's actually set the scene properly. We are at the NEC, we're at the Classic Car Show, and I'm glad we've mentioned Drew's name because there are a lot of Drew Pritchard lookalikes oh my word. at shows like this. Classic car shows do seem to attract Drew, Drew Pritchard lookalikes. Which a lot is, of flat hats. Yeah. I mean, no, I can say this because I am one. A lot of middle-aged men. Mm. I think that is our hobby. I think that's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. And a lot of people, and I, and I do love this because people come up to me with their book, their restoration book. And I, I admire the people that walk around with the book of their restoration, yes. hoping to get into a conversation with somebody so that they can show their restoration. Because I think that shows yeah, passion that, and enthusiasm. Yeah, the photos and things. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. But I have met quite a few people who carry them in a bag. Good for them. Just in case you want to converse. Yeah. And I mean, how often it, do you get caught up in those? Quite a lot. Yeah? Quite a lot. <laughs> well, see, I mean, I'm very lucky because I... I very thankfully have never reached the, the God level tier of presenting like Mike Brewer and Drew Pritchard. Yeah, yeah. Because they are never walk across the floor with those two because you can't, basically. No. If you try and go across Hall 5, it will take, if you're walking with Mike or Drew, it will take you two hours. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody wants to stop, everyone wants a selfie. I'm so lucky because I never got to that height and mm. I'm, I'm very, very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Because you can, you can just walk around. Yeah. What you realise is if you are Mike Brewer, you can't walk anywhere. You okay, can't, you you can't get... just go to the loo, you can't go no. to Starbucks. That's very true. And I, I get you're going to get this a lot more than I do, but do you get the people that kind of look at you and go, hang on a minute, we've met before. 
but you haven't necessarily met before. They might have just watched something that you've been in. And also, you never want to be that guy that says, oh, yes, you'll have seen my fabulous television <laughs> yeah. show. Because I was like, no, no, it's Aunt Lucy's Barbecue. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it, that was it. We went to school together, remember? Ah. But my favourite thing with Drew, it's a shame he's not here, actually. So Drew has this thing, because I don't know if you've noticed, particularly now he's lost a lot of weight, he looks a lot like Greg Wallace, doesn't he? He does a bit. He does. And we always get this thing when we're filming, particularly out in the street, <laughs> in the wild. And people will come up to me. So Drew's doing his bit to camera. I'm just chatting to the producer or whatever. And, and this man comes up to me. And this is very common. It's happened hundreds of times. People go, is, is that who I think it is? I go, oh, oh yeah, it is. He goes, do you think him mind if I go and say hello? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> just let him finish his bit to camera. And then as soon as he's finished, walk over and tell him that you enjoy stuff. He really appreciates it. Brilliant. Go, oh, brilliant, brilliant. I said, so do you like MasterChef? And it, <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> do, you like, do you like MasterChef? Oh, I thought it was, no, that's Craig Wallace. You know that, don't you? Oh, I thought it was... No, no, it's Greg, Greg Wallace. So if you go up and say how much... Particularly, he's, he's proudest of MasterChef. Just go up and say you enjoy his show. So this poor bloke who was convincing in his head, but because they look quite similar... Yeah. Because he re- just recognised someone he knew off the telly, and he's like, mate, I love MasterChef. <laughs> and Drew said a very rude word, which we're not going to say. To the person? To me. Oh, to you, I was going to say. Not to the person. Drew is incredibly gracious yes. with everyone he meets. In fact, we were here doing this show about two, three years ago, actually... Staying at the hotel, the guys had kindly put us up. And we were just sitting in a very quiet corner, tucked away, having a breakfast. And someone just came and said, Drew, can we have a photo? But let's not have it by breakfast. Let's go out and do it by the fountain. Mm. And he did that 20 times. And as soon as he came back for his sausage, someone else took him away. And, of course, cold breakfast. Yeah. Again, being famous is overrated, guys. Don't it's be, rubbish. Don't be famous. Yeah. Stay like whatever letters comes after Z list that I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a Greek letter. Because <laughs> that's the list I'm on. That's a good list because you still get work, but... You don't That's get stopped true. in the street and you get to eat your breakfast. Get to eat hot food, which is a luxury. Yes, under, a luxury. underrated. Yeah, I, um, I once got incorrectly identified as a celebrity here. You've got celebrity show. hair, though. If well, you haven't seen John Marco, you just listen to his lovely voice. Google him and it's great hair. You have got great hair. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. That's very kind. So people just, you have that aura of celebrity, you see. You look like you should be famous. <laughs> but thankfully, for everyone involved, I'm not. Um, so tell your story. I mean, yeah, no, 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 no. How rude. But it's, it's, a, it's, a fitting, it's a fitting story because of the location we're in and the person that I was mistaken for. And I was standing, this was, this was probably three or four years ago, and I was standing looking over the fence at the auction because they always have a penned-off auction at these lovely classic car shows and you can just stand there and admire the cars and somebody came over and was talking about the particular car I was looking at, I can't remember what it was, and said, oh, have you fixed one of these? And I said, no, I haven't actually, no, I've not, I never fixed one of these before. And oh, but it's lovely, isn't it? Yes. Oh, are you here all weekend? And I was thinking... Wait a minute, they didn't think you were Aunt Anstead. Yes, no. they did. No way. <laughs> they thought I was TV's Aunt Anstead. Well, you're both handsome chaps, but you're like Aunt Anstead after the Just for Men, aren't you? You're like the before and after in the Grecian 2000 advert. I can kind of see that. I can kind of see what they're saying facially. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I mean, I didn't take offence to it at all, because as you say, Ant is a good-looking guy. Yeah, good-looking guy. Very talented man. Um, but yeah, we were chatting around and I went, ah, I, is there any chance you might think that I am TV's Aunt Anstead? And they went, yeah. I've definitely seen you on the television. I said, well, I don't think you have. Yeah, maybe, maybe 10 years ago you looked like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's watching reruns. That's what it is. Um, it don't move to California. Send you grey, clearly. Yeah. Someone asked me if I dyed my hair the other day, because my hair is mainly still the same colour it was when I was a kid. Just, gonna, gonna, just crossing that question. Going a bit, uh, bit grey on the sides. That's why it's a half. If you do oh, a half wow. on the sides, you can't tell it's grey. Yeah. But that is all natural. I think I'm going to go old disgracefully. I think when it goes, it goes, and that's just it. And let yeah, it go. Just let it go. It. Embrace it. Yeah. Uh, right. We've we've managed ten minutes and forty-five seconds into the conversation. We've just 
had absolutely nothing. Yeah, we. So for the three listeners that are left, let's talk about cars. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about cars, indeed. Well, the last time you came on, we we didn't really have that much of a formal chat about what it is you actually do. It, we, it, we got very silly and had a lot of toilet humour, which I think actually people enjoyed. Um, yeah. But it would be interesting because you do have a very interesting career. You have an interesting background. You do extremely interesting things with, with cars. You are a car celebrity. You are on the television frequently and you get involved in some really exciting things, including a film that we're going to talk about very shortly. But we did the whole uh, who are you, what you do question. But how would you actually expand on that question? As in, because I know you've dabbled in PR, you've dabbled in production, you've dabbled in presenting. Is there a is there a kind of more comprehensive I'm Paul and I do? The nice thing is, John, there isn't. And what I try to do is, it's mainly there's two things. Now I'm old. Uh, just if it's a great person that comes to me with a great idea, and that could be anything, as long as it's something to do with cars, because that's very much I'm a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. I can only really do one thing. I only have one knowledge base. Yeah. And it, and it could be anything. It could be you know an article, it could be a film, it could be an advert, whatever it is. But to me now, it's just, do I like working with that person and is it an, ex- an exciting thing that I can kind of understand or mm-hmm. get on board with? And if there's a car in the middle of it, and that's the main criteria. And that's what gives me a really varied working day. So like last weekend, we were down doing the London to Brighton run with, uh, course, with lovely yeah. Amy yeah, and, yeah. Uh, of course, her hubby. Yeah. They were down there and that was just good fun. And it's these phone calls just come out of the blue. And what's mm-hmm. nice now is when you've been in the industry a long time, so I've been doing this for 30 years now. Yeah. So you just know a few people and you have a context book and every week and some at the moment what seems to be happening so much stuff just sort of falls in my lap mm. and I feel very, very fortunate because you don't know, do you? And particularly if you're in television or media or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, when you're hot, you're hot and when you're not, you're not. It's a fickle industry. It is it? and that can get turned off in an instant. So what I've just got the attitude is, is while it's there and it's to be enjoyed, just have some fun mm-hmm. and just work with nice people doing fun stuff. Yeah, perfect. That's a good mantra. Good lesson yeah. for anyone that's trying to get into it. Firstly, don't. It's rubbish. No, we're joking. <laughs> no, do. It's brilliant. And what's nice, and it's really interesting to see, isn't it, then we've got this sort of new class of influencers and YouTubers mm. and podcasters. And I think it's wonderful because it just, to me, gives you more ways to enjoy a car. Because the yeah. problem with television, there is this barrier to entry. And God knows how I got in. It's, mm. I fell into television. Because people say, how do I get into TV? Tell me yeah. how to do it. The only answer is I don't know. It just happened no. organically and it was a complete accident. Yeah. But what's great now is there isn't that barrier to entry. If you've got an iPhone 13, mm-hmm. you can make a really good YouTube video. You can yep. record a great podcast. You can do everything you want to do. You can become your own voice and your own platform and your own publisher. And if you're any good, people will watch it. Mm. And that's the great thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I really embrace it because there seems to be this divide. I mean, Mike is very much, I think, the, the bridge. So Mike's great how he's kind of brought Auto Alex on mm. and he sort of recognises that. Yeah. But I think as the legacy present- presenters, for want of a better word, yeah, this, this new generation that's coming through, I just think it's to be encouraged and to be embraced because the more people that can see car content, listen to car, can, car content and enjoy it, it's good for all of us. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and I, I love the... I, I, I consume happily lots of social media videos, lots of Instagram... Uh, yeah, like Instagram Reels yeah. and um, YouTube content of people that perhaps aren't the biggest names even in that world, but there are certain accounts that I just love watching, love listening to them and I think oh, if they ever get the opportunity to be a, a, a big big time television or whatever the new format will be I'll be chuffed for them and it's it's great it's great to see that that there's so much of there's so much opportunity as you say to create your own content which might be seen by just one person that then goes oh actually you'd be quite good for 
and that's it. And as you say, that brilliant thing about this industry, and we've said this a bazillion times before on this podcast, the best thing about the automotive industry, and the media arm does apply to this, is the fact that everybody's in it, specifically in and around cars, because simply they like cars. That's it. That's the biggest catalyst. You and I can walk into that room not knowing anyone, go up to a random person who's looking at a particular type of car and go, oh, these are quite nice, aren't they? My uncle had one of these. And that's it. That dialogue can just crack on from there. And it's brilliant. And we can use that to our advantage to have these conversations with people who may seem to be in far-flung, hard-to-reach, out-of-reach jobs. But you can strike up a conversation about a car which could lead to, oh, you're actually quite a nice, normal human being that's not... Yeah, green alien and I don't know what you find I mean particularly in the classic car world I really don't meet many people I don't like there's so many just again like you said I've just walked across the floor to come to this podcast apologies I was late by the way I did get a bit (laughs) way late but because I was just chatting to to random people that just come up to want to talk about whatever car we're both standing in front of and like you say my dad had one of those my grand had one of those whatever story gets you started that's it and it's wonderful isn't it something we can all access but that's why I like kind of more mundane weird and wonderful classics so I've just I've got the most weird collection of cars. Some of it's kind of quite flashy and obvious. Yeah. And a lot of it really isn't. And it's the stuff that really isn't that I find is the most engaging with people because Agreed. it's the stuff that they grew up with. It's things like the Renault Espace. It's things like the yeah. Peugeot 505. I took that car, my Peugeot 505 Familiar, which is the seven-seat one, nice. to Bista. And I was part of there between all sorts of exotica. <laughs> and that's the car everybody wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Everybody had a... I went to school in one of those stories. Yeah. And that's the stuff that we should get excited about. It's so true. It's so true. I think the out of the many hundreds and hundreds of cars in the variants of halls we have here at the show, the one, the way I always gauge it is what do I go home? And then if I look at my camera roll, what have I taken a photo of? Yeah. That's but it, always but the it's test. really boring, normal stuff. I say boring, normal. I'm going to show, I'm gonna show like you the hot hatches I've, and. I will have taken a few rovers. photos and I will show you. Well, John, don't show me that one. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I didn't want to see that. So, what? It's, since too, early, here, it's too early for little John. I've taken. No, no. One, two, three three, four, five, six photos. This is why they don't have this podcast with video link anymore, guys. If you'd just seen what I've seen on this... <laughs> you can't even... Is this legal to show me this stuff? Um, yes, this okay. is. So here is the... Here is Whoa! The, here is, <laughs> no, I didn't even... <laughs> I've even even gown on. Yeah. Right, this is, the, this is the car that I've taken the photo of. I'm going to ignore the phone Silk call that's pants. coming in from school. Oh, yeah, look at that. Panda. Panda 4x4. Yeah. That's... I've walked past, before taking that photograph, at least... 200 cars, and that's the first car that I've gone, oh, I'll take a photo of that, because I love yeah. that. Because I really want one. For anyone listening, by the way, he didn't show me a picture of him in his pants. <laughs> he had no pants on. There are no pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Commando. <laughs> so, let's talk about your career. and That won't take long. Where it all How long is this podcast? Began. Yeah, I know we've only got you for an <laughs> we're hour. To, so. We're going to have to pad the last half hour. <laughs> um, but So, would I be right, in, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't necessarily know if this is the correct answer, but did you start in the world of PR? No, I started in the world of car sales, actually. So of course you did. I from, did. from school, I went to work for Saab mm. as a very, very junior office junior. Yeah. And then my dad was heavily into Saabs as I was a kid, so I sort of grew up with him. So mm-hmm. I knew a lot about Saabs and Saab people and what kind of flick their switch. Brilliant. So I would sit there as the office junior, watch the sales lads who were much more experienced than me selling cars. I think, you're asking the wrong questions there, lad. You know, you're not kind mm. of speaking to Saab people the way they want to be spoken to. And I said to my boss at the time, can I have a go on the sales floor. It's like, these lads have been here for years, but yeah, have a go. What's the worst you can do? And they went out. And I think coming at it with a slightly different approach seemed to be very successful. And also, I've always had this attitude with car sales because car sales people, rightly and wrongly, can get quite a bad reputation Mm. because obviously it's like estate agents, isn't it? Yep. 
my friend is an estate agent. He's the loveliest man in the world, and he sells a lot of houses. Yeah. Because people are so ready for a fight. Yes. When they talk to a car salesperson or an estate agent, and when they don't get one, and they actually have a lovely day out. Mm-hmm. And because you think about it, if you go and buy a car, it's twenty, thirty, forty thousand pounds. Absolutely. It should be the most wonderful, exciting day of your life. Because if yeah. you go for a restaurant, you'll spend a hundred quid. If you go to Alton Towers, you probably spend one hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. That's an exciting day out, isn't it? Because you're spending a lot of money, you're with people you love, you're having mm-hmm. a good time. But you go to a car sales room and you're going to spend gazillions of pounds. Yeah. And actually your, your initial emotional response is stress. Of course. When you walk through the door. And to me, that's all wrong. So yeah. the, my whole philosophy and attitude was, and this is what I think sold me an awful lot of cars in the 90s and noughties, was just make this the most fun, the most pleasant experience and treat everyone that comes in like your favourite auntie. Mm. And that was kind of my sales training to my guys when I was a sales manager. Just give everybody a nice welcome, no pressure, no stress. If they want to have a look around, yeah. great. If they need to go away and think about it, great. Because everybody does, you know, the amount of people that used to leave my showroom and say, you know what, I need to think about it. Because mm. everyone says that. Yeah. A stressy salesman will see that as a stalling tactic and they'll try and emotionally push you into settle. But mm. sometimes people just go away and think and come back and sign. And That's if they right. don't, they were never going to. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. That's the thing, because I know a lot of salespeople that would make you sign, and then all you do is you ring a new council in the morning. So mm. you've achieved nothing, other than that person will never see you again. Yeah. Because they feel awkward. Yeah, yeah. And they're not going to go and tell their friends down the pub to go and see you no. at that particular showroom. And yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. And it's, to be fair, that whole philosophy of trying to have a nice time in business is what I've tried to do with everything else I've done as well. So in yeah. television, in PR, and all the other things that I've fallen into along the way. Yeah. It's just, it's that philosophy. Because business should be fun. I mean, business sometimes gets ugly, Mm -hmm. sometimes gets legal. But I think if you just treat people as you wish to be treated in everything that you do, I think that always stands up. Yeah, it's, yeah, the golden rule. It's what we're taught at nursery and at primary school, isn't it? Be nice to everyone. Treat people how you want to be treated. And you'll be amazed how far you go in life. It's incredible. Because I don't really have any formal business qualifications. I don't have any PR qualifications. I had some sales training, but most of that I picked up on the job. Yeah. But people like to deal with people. Absolutely. And decent people will always do okay. Yeah, yeah. And the easier you are to deal with, the more likely you're going to be the person that gets that phone call to approach. Well, that's the thing in in television. So I was always, you know, if I was told that call time was 10 o'clock, I was always there Mm 9.59. And that's what a lot of producers and directors said to me. said, you're just very, very easy to work with. And I do think how that tiny bit of talent was stretched for (laughs) 10 years of television just because I think, oh, yeah, just booking me is easy. Yeah, yeah. And that's there's a lot to be said for that. You don't necessarily, <laughs> boys and girls, if you're listening, you don't have to be massively talented. You just need to be punctual and you, polite. Yeah, yeah. Punctual and polite will get you 75% of the way there. I get a lot of calls for really random things of like, oh, do you mind just like being a voice here or being a face for this or just being at this event? And I'll always say yes. If I, if I like the idea of it, I'll say yes, absolutely, whether it's paid or not. But the, <laughs> one of the best things I've ever heard... Uh, it was from a fairly big media company who I've done a, quite a lot with over the years and they phoned me up and said, oh, can you come and do this on Saturday morning? I'm really sorry, but it like, starts at seven. I was like, yeah, do you know what? I'll, I'll come, I'll, I'll do that. Nothing on, so I'll, I'll come and do what you need me to do. And the first thing the producer said when I turned up, went, yeah, no, we always call you because you're just, you're just a stand-up guy, you're just reliable. <laughs> and I'm like, right, but is there any other reason why, <laughs> you, why I'm here? <laughs> no, you just, we, we know you'll come. So that's why we are. Because he's polite and really <laughs> yeah. <late>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
It's true, so, though, because yeah. actually it's amazing. I won't mention any names, of course. <laughs> but when you speak to producers and directors in television, the amount of people that either don't turn up on time, yeah. don't do what they're asked, drop off early, have a two-hour lunch. Too right, yeah. And the problem is, when you're making a TV show, everybody's there, like your crew arrives at least an hour before you do. Yeah. They're there at least an hour after you leave. Mm. And obviously, particularly in the summer when you're filming, obviously every hour is precious light, and in the winters even more so, because yeah. you get such short days. So if you turn up an hour late as a presenter, your poor director has lost that hour, yeah. And then you never get it back. No. And he's got a load of shots he has to get through or she has to get through. It's 2023. Um, or they have to get through. Yeah, they have to get through. Let's use the correct pronouns now. <laughs> and, um, and because if you've, if you've eaten that hour or you've dropped off for lunch, yeah. then they're not going to get it back. No. So I think you just got to... I think that's the other thing, just that team mentality, because I do a lot of production. I mm. sort of shoot and produce and direct a lot of commercials, particularly for car companies. Yeah. I think it's having that empathy with the people... Absolutely. ...in the production crew, that you are a team. And I hate that in television because they call us the talent, which I think mm. is really demeaning to the other people in the crew because the way it works in television is you have your production crew who just called the crew and then you have your talent which is yeah. the on-screen talent but everyone's talent in the crew aren't they exactly. that's the, yeah. and actually if you've ever seen the way that we're edited and shot without the talent of those people we would look fairly terrible yeah. Yeah. because all of the funny things you ever saw in Salvage Hunters were just mostly great editing because we would ramble mm. they just basically record us for eight hours a day GoPros were in the car for three GoPros were on some poor sod has to sit there and log all of that yeah and then cut that into something that's funny. Absolutely. Which is not easy. No, it's not. It's not. And, and I think, like you, I, I, long before I was on the, the facing side of a lens or, the, or a microphone, I was on the other side. So I think having that sympathy, knowing the stress of when Premiere Pro crashes and you're halfway through an edit, <laughs> yeah. knowing how heartbreaking that is, or knowing how frustrating it can be when a camera's not doing what you want a camera to be doing, or some audio equipment's not doing what you want audio equipment to do. So just having that additional bit of sympathy knowing that as you say the real talent i remember having the most frustrating conversation and again won't mention his his name whisper it whisper it under, <laughs> under the table i'll tell you after write it down on a piece of paper but the uh, there was a conversation about a particular media production that i was working on and we were looking for a a camera operator slash film director slash kind of jack of all trades and i had a name that came up came up um i'll say his name al clark very good friend of mine wow an extremely good filmmaker yeah incredible and he's like an 11 yeah. yeah. So Al, uh, Al was one of my closest friends, has been for many, many years. And I said, right, I've got the guy. We get, we get Al. Well, how much is he? Said, He's a lot. Said the producer. And I yeah. gave him his day rate. And, the, and the, in fact, it was the presenter slash producer that was, uh, that was kind of giving the yes and the no's. Told him the day rate. And he went, well, that's more than I earn. And yeah. that's ridiculous. Why would, why would the cameraman come and earn more than me, the talent? And I said, well, because... He's obviously not seeing his stuff, has he? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, you could argue that the talent is Al. And yeah. what we do is just stand in front of the camera and go, here, look at this car. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very frustrating thing, but you're absolutely right to flag that. So, yeah, big shout out to all of the Yeah, anyone who's in, in crew. Because even, but, you know, I hate to use the word menial, but even down to the researchers, even the runners, the runners perform like a vitally yeah. important task. And if yeah. you don't have a great runner on your show, it yeah. doesn't run as well. And runners make the day run much more smoothly and efficiently and effectively. And again, a good runner can buy you an hour of shooting time. Absolutely. But again, all the researchers and all the people in the background. So if you look at Salvage, the amount of hard work that went into those scenes, yeah, we get the glory mm. and we look like these incredibly knowledgeable people. And, you know, I have half a clue yeah. of the stuff that we're talking about, but without the quality of research or the people going to recce, 
yeah. know, locations and make sure everything's okay. And it wouldn't look as good or work as well. And we wouldn't look as professional and as proficient as we do. Absolutely. And that's so we are standing on the shoulders of much cleverer people. So remember that Completely. when you watch car TV, guys. Yes, the presenters do have half a clue. Yeah. But really, it's the crew that makes them look good. I am. Um, I you probably do the same. If I see something on the television that I really like, like a car show or something, I always look at the credits and I'd be like, oh, let's see if I can spot any of the camera crew. That I, I know him. That yeah. right. Yes, that's why it's good. That's why that shot was so good. Well, what's really funny in car TV though is it's incredible. So. There's only about, it's a bit like British comedy. You know, you see like the same yeah. 20 yes, faces yes. all the time. It's true. British car television is the same. So our producer, director, and for Motor Pickers, the other show I do, lovely guy called James Redgate, lovely guy called John Widdop. So basically they've, they've all done Wheeler Dealers, Hammond's yeah. Garage, yeah. Um, our show, and they just, they cycle around basically. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So we had amazing guys in the workshop. Again, shouting out to people that never get recognised. Mm. So on our uh, Salvage Hunters show, we had four incredible guys in the workshop who did all the hard work, basically. Yeah. So again, we get the glory. They do all the hard work. And they've, they've cycled around as well. So they've been on wheeler dealers. They did stuff on Goblin Garage. Yeah. And they just save your ass, basically. Absolutely. Because it's very hard to work to a quality that's good enough, sort of like a show quality or a, a retail quality, but then also do it within a television timeline yeah, yeah. and understand that sensibility when the producer says, like, we're shooting... Nine o'clock Friday, so that car is now Tuesday, which mm -hmm. is in 25 different bits, needs to be ready for nine o'clock Friday. And somehow they always do it and it yeah. always works and it always looks good. That's talent. Yeah, it is. So true. So then how, was the, how did the transition work? At what point did you go from selling Saabs to looking after PR or doing bits and pieces in the media? Well, I went from the Saab garage to my family's Saab specialists. Ooh. And also while we're at Saab, our franchise also took on Subaru as well so I kind of had a dip, That's my right. toe in the water Subaru yeah my dad had a Saab specialist I kind of helped him transform that into a Subaru specialist because this was the early noughties Subaru uh, was the car yeah, of choice absolutely it was the height of the max power era yeah because it was the height of the WRC era as well so you know Subaru was a yeah. dominant force then yeah. everybody wanted one so we tuned a lot of those cars that became quite an enormous business nice and to publicize that I used to build a lot of show cars so I used to ring up, you know, like Toyo Tires or Ibex Springs and say, guys, I'm building a show car. Would you mind sponsoring me? Mm -hmm. Set of tires, I'll get three features out of it, you know, max power or fast car. Yeah, yeah. And I'll take it to three shows and there'll be this, that and the other. And I always used to be really, I used to report it. So like I used to do my clippings. Mm -hmm. I used to make sure they had pictures of the car at the show. Great. So people go, this is great. You know, everybody asks for free stuff in the car building world, don't they? Everybody holds out their hand for yep. freebies. Yep. What not many people do is give that marketing manager the return on investment. Yes. And also give it in a way that's easy to report because yeah, yeah. people forget this. And if you are out there, guys, blagging stuff for your show car build, just remember it's marketing cash. Yeah. And somebody needs to justify why they spent it. So if you can make that easy for them. Yeah. That's what I used to do. So I used to kind of give them, here's my reports, here's my coverage. That, that's what the coverage is worth. And he got to the point, so for the next year, they'd be ringing me. Going, what are you building this year? What's your show card? What do you need? Just yeah. order whatever you want. Because they just knew it was easy. Again, yeah. it goes back to being easy to work with, doesn't it? Easy to deal with. Yeah. And then it got to the point where like, well, we're now launching a new tyre. Could you help us launch the new tyre? It's like, hang on a minute, this is PR. Mm. and I thought and it, family businesses are difficult to work within so yeah. me and my dad didn't always get on the greatest very different philosophies in how a business should work so I thought you know what rather than keep arguing every day I just go and set up a little PR consultancy doing so my first two clients were Toyo Tires and Ibex Springs yeah. they very kindly agreed to work with me and then it just kind of snowballed from there really and I'm still doing it today here I am 20 years next year doing PR wow. and, it, and it fits really well that's the nice thing I think to have that grounding and knowing what brands are doing and what the market's doing and yeah. kind of what's hot and what's not and then I look after the trade federation so all of the big aftermarket companies yeah. are in something called the PAAA which is the Performance Automotive Aftermarket Association it's like a British SEMA 
if you're familiar with SEMA. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's all of the big brands, so all of the, the companies that make good stuff for tuning. And tuning's in an interesting place at the moment because mm. obviously it's not cool and not sexy because people assume if you're doing remaps and exhaust that it's yeah. less environmentally friendly. So obviously we've got to make sure that as an industry that we're proven to be sort of safe, responsible, mm-hmm. environmental and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of work happening with that as well. Mm. That keeps me busy. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So then the telly stuff. Did that just come as a result of, was it doing stuff at car shows and then that led on to somebody seeing you going, oh, you, you talk good about cars, come and talk good on camera? Well, that was Santa Pod. So Santa Pod was one of our PR clients uh-huh. and a friend of mine's a TV producer and I managed to broker a deal where Santa Pod do what's called a magazine show. So yeah. there's a thing in television called free to air. So that, in other words, if you create great content, certain broadcasters will air it for you. Mm-hmm. And some of those broadcasters are motors and Eurosports. In other words, if you can create a program that looks good, yeah. they'll just give you airtime. So you create it, fund it. Yeah, you, you, you make and cut the show. You cut yeah. it, obviously, to fit within the way that their shows are constructed. Yeah. So normally a commercial 48 minutes split into three parts or four yeah. parts. Yeah. And then they, ju- they just put it out for you because it's free content for them. They have guidelines and kind of producer specs they want you to do. Yeah. So anyway, I brokered this deal between Santapod and my friend's production company. We'd do a magazine-style show. I think the first one was either Bug Jam or Ultimate Streetcar, something yeah. like that. They would show it, and I would effectively be one of the producers to put it together. And when we were doing just the filming, it was meant to be a, a magazine show, is as it suggests, really. It's like two, three-minute items, mm-hmm. a bit about drag racing, a bit about show cars, a bit about people that have come over from Sweden, a bit about the crowd, and then it's just kind of split into little items, yeah, if you were. like very old Top Gear, 1990s yeah. Top Gear. Yeah, so old Top Gear is a magazine-style show, yeah, so yeah. if you're bored of this bit, wait two minutes, you might like the next yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And when we were doing that, so my friend who was on camera said, look, could you just do us a bit to camera on this I won't use it, but it will help me write the voiceover. Great. And I did a bit to camera about, I don't know, drag racing or whatever it was. And anyway, we just ended up leaving them all in. Brilliant. He said it just, it helped. And then Motors saw it, Eurosport saw it. I mean, he's okay. If you're doing any more of those, just have him in as a presenter. Great. And that kind of snowballed from there. Did a few of those. And then I put a showreel together. And this is the bizarre thing. So I cut my best bits of Motors and Eurosport, which is obviously very, very short. And someone at Discovery saw it. Someone at Discovery who was... Uh, casting for a show mm. went on YouTube and this thing had had like 10 views or 15 wow. views yeah, yeah. It, like no one had seen this video at all but one of them was a Discovery commissioning editor saw <laughs> it I just got this call out the blue come down to London we're casting for a car show I thought this is a wind up yeah. I went down anyway and it was the day after my mate's wedding and I was drinking very heavily at the time <laughs> so I went to this casting thing completely hung over <laughs> just sat there thinking this is not going to happen is it and I just chatted like this yeah, yeah. and just said the things I would have said anyway went out of the thing thinking I'll never hear from them again and then then got a job working Look in car television <laughs> bizarre really isn't it it is it's great though I mean and, and again it's just that that ethos of just be a nice person be reliable Turn up, get the job done. Yeah. And it is essentially that's it. That is the that's or the secret rule. In television be cheap and available. That's the other thing. Yes. Yeah. Those yeah. help too, I can found. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, indeed. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast. You've got something in the pipeline that's really quite exciting. And you sent me the details of this the other day on WhatsApp and said, oh, by the way, I'm working on this. And... It looks amazing. Now, I know that there are certain things we can say and can't say, so I don't want to overstep <laughs> the mark and go, and it's got this person in it, in case I completely put my foot in it. But talk to me about Classic, well, which a good, is a film? It is. It's a film. It's a feature film, a cinema feature film, uh, written by a very good friend of mine who's a very clever man called Tony Pitts. Now, Tony has been in everything. He's had a very long acting career. If you're old like me, you might remember him in Emmerdale back in the 80s. Okay. He was in that for ages, Archie Brooks in that. And then he's had just every film. He's been in like Star Wars. He was in Peaky Blinders for ages. Right. He's been in so many things. He's in All Creatures Great and Small at the moment on Channel 5. Oh, yeah, yeah. As well as being a fine actor and thespian, he's an amazing screenwriter and director as well. So okay. he had a, a brilliant film called Funny Cow, which if you haven't seen, I would recommend mm-hmm. checking out on the streaming services. And that was a big hit. That had Maxine Peake in it. That was a huge critical hit. A lot of people loved that film. Yeah. But he's a petrolhead. He's just hugely passionate about cars. So he's always wanted to write a film about cars. Yeah. So he's written Classic, which is set in the world of Robin Hood's Bay, an annual car show. And it's basically as a family kind of falls apart and comes together under the, the banner and umbrella of a classic car show and all the kind of characters that you find on a classic car run and in nice. the classic car environment. So it's, it's very funny, very well written. Quite dry, quite dark as his stuff is. Good, yeah. But it's got some amazing names because the other thing about Tony, he's not just a great actor and writer, his contacts book, I mean, as a podcast booker, my word. <laughs> if, if you could just have five minutes in Tony Pitts' book, it would be amazing. So he knows everyone and everyone loves him. Um, I mean, this is great. So you're hoping this is going to be, as you say, actually cameras rolling summer next year yeah well then you do a film so the half of it is getting a great idea so Tony's done that the next bit is obviously getting an amazing cast and he's, he's put that together mm. uh, I'm there to do all the car side of the thing so I'm the associate producer mainly just to access the cars and the car people that we need hang on you've actually got quite a difficult job well I'd say maybe not difficult but a high pressure job because you have to get the cars right that's true and also working with a, a really devout petrolhead is kind of a mixed blessing so Tony knows mm. his cars so well so when he's writing these characters the car, I won't give too much away, but the cars he's chosen for each character are so perfect. But then he wants to go into detail. So the lead character, who will be a very notable actor, who sadly we can't say yet, because yes. he's, he's not signed his contract. And we can't emphasise that enough. When we say this name is big, it's big. this name is big, 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 big in capital letters. Yeah, big, Hollywood big. And, and as soon as that's official, we can't wait to announce that. Yeah. But even that, so that character plays basically a retired industrialist who made all of his money in the 70s and 80s. And Tony's like, when we're looking at the cars that he's yes. meant to have in his collection, because there will be a scene where you see this collection, Tony's like, well, I want him to make sure that every car he would have bought, he could have afforded at a certain time. So we're checking Love it. Love it. 70s prices of things, 80s prices of things. So wow. He's even making us go into that level of detail to make sure that nothing you see jars because we all we've all seen it in films oh, yes. car people or historic documentaries so this is set in the present day yeah. so that's a bit easier but he wants everything to be exactly the car or the kind of car or the model of car that that person would have got and it's and it's tricky 
So finding the cars is relatively simple, but getting them perfect to his script, because he's, mm. he's so exacting. But I think it's clever, because the cars are another character in the film, yeah. and they will jar just, you know, a poor casting of a person is to a car person is just as bad as a poor casting of a car, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun though, it's, it's good to do. So we've done all the recces, we've got the cast, right. we've got the scripts, So we're going to talk about this tomorrow on stage here at the NEC. Brilliant. So if you saw that, thank you, and fingers crossed, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this, it has to work. It's such a good idea. And it, I mean, this is, this is a great reminder, actually, being here at this show. It's a great reminder of how many people, on, on a huge scale, care passionately about classic cars. There are an awful lot of people here. We're sat here on the Friday, which isn't even one of the busy days. And it is rammed in there, full of people. And it it always amazes me, just driving into the car parks in the morning, going, blimey, there's a lot of people here. Yeah. It's really cool. But even just that first live show, Mike uh, was doing a live show with the guys from Iconic Auctions. Yeah. Just just going through some slides, there are 350 people watching. Yeah. And it's 10 o'clock on a Friday morning. What's it going to be like on the Saturday? Too right. Yeah. It's going to be great. Really love cool. It. I absolutely love it. I have two media questions for you that I genuinely do not know the answer to. I'm okay. hoping that as somebody that's been in and around the world of media and filming and television and stuff, you might know. Firstly, what is a best boy? <laughs> I can't say here. <laughs> do you know what? I don't know. Ah, why doesn't anybody yeah. know? I see it in the credits. Isn't that what you call your dog? Well, yeah. <laughs> but I see it in the credits and I've never... Ever found anyone? But we'll find out. Then we, we should ask Tony. a definitive answer. We should ask the cinema people because I've never yeah. worked. That's that's film you see. I've only ever worked in television. Yeah, yeah. And also we're doing ours very much on a shoestring. So yeah. we don't. We didn't have best boy. We didn't have grip. Yeah. So and what's a gaffer? Exactly. Because yeah. In in the world of automotive workshops, the gaffer's the boss. Should we Google it now? Should we find out what is a gaffer? Yeah. All right. Hang on. So all the people who do cinema were like, "Oh, you idiots!" So what obvious. Is a gaffer in. Because you get things like, you get a focus puller, don't you? you actually have on a... Yeah, that I know what that is. Oh, I found it. Go on. So, in the most basic terms possible, let's try to do, define the role of a gaffer. In film and video, a gaffer is officially the head of lighting and power. Ah, oh, there you go. That's quite ah. important. Which I guess is why it's called gaffer tape, isn't it? Because yeah. obviously, it would be the tape that they use to stick stuff together that's not... Together. Well, now we know. There you go. I won't Google what Best Boy is because I, I well, want to learn based that. on the search history you've just seen, guys. <laughs> I think based on that, the algorithm would go mental. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope I'm still not streaming to the big screen outside. Crikey. Can you imagine? <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Um, so, tell me about... So, I mean, other than walking around with your, your big film mates over the weekend, is there anything else you're doing here whilst you're at the show? Just hanging out, really. I just love this show every year. So, the two shows I really get excited about is this one, and then there's Autosport in January, isn't there? Yeah. And to me, not that I ever lose my enthusiasm for the car world, but it just massively kind of reinvigorates it. So this is great as you come into winter. Yeah. We've had all the shows we've been driving around, and of course, you tend to use your older cars less. Mm. So, this is great. This is a massive boost of enthusiasm as we go into winter. Yeah. And just... Just to get ideas, really. That's the main thing. Because yeah. as a car collector, I'm always looking for what's the next car and what's the next thing I want to get into. And I don't give it any thought. Really, if I buy a car or get into a scene or get excited by something, I just I know it when I see it. Yeah. I don't go into it with any conscious thoughts. It's just if you get that, woo, so moment. has that happened yet, walking around the show? Do you know, hot rods. That's the thing okay. for me. Yeah, hot rods, I think. Okay. Or 50s American. It's two things I've always promised myself. So I got right. quite close with the hot rod thing by buying a Plymouth Prowler a year or so ago. It's yeah. obviously like a factory hot rod from the 90s. Yeah. 
But I just think a genuine 30s hot rod, although they're very expensive now, mm. or something 50s sort of jukeboxy in American, I just think would look absolutely amazing. But the problem with those things is they are huge. They are big, yeah. They're like 20 feet long. and it's So I have a bit of storage space to put stuff in, but that's a lot of space to get one of those. And would you want it to have a big throbbing 8-litre V8 or something? Yeah, you've got to. You know, electric cars, God bless you if you've got one, but not for me. No. Not for me. Do you think they ever will be? Like even as a, as a daily? I don't know. I drove a Subaru Solterra the other day, and I have to say I really quite liked it. It was a great little car. And for what it was, if you were just driving between two points on a map yeah. and you wanted to do so as quietly as possible, great car. If you're thinking of one, get one of those. But for me, that's not what driving's about. No. Driving isn't just commuting between two points on a map. If you are just trying to cover the distance, catch the bus mm. or get a taxi, to me, it's the interaction with the machine. It's what you're doing as a driver. And even if you are in a smooth automatic and therefore not putting much input in, yeah. You're still getting something from it. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's my slight problem with electric cars is they are brilliant, but they're kind of like an impractical solution to a non-existent problem, as yeah. I saw some very clever man called Jeff say the other day. It's, that's the thing, isn't it? Actually, petrol, if it's economical, and particularly mm. as we move to synthetic fuels, getting quite political now, it's, I think that's the answer. I do think making the older cars cleaner. And I just wrote a yeah. column for Haggerty, actually. I was in Greece a few weeks ago. And everybody in Greece drives a tiny 90s hatchback. They're all driving Renault yeah, Clio's. Yeah, of course. And if you look at that, that's, that's the future. If you can get a little 90s hatchback running cleanly with its 1.2 engine doing 60 miles to the gallon, mm-hmm. doesn't take up any space on the road because nope. it's like 12 feet long. You just chug it around. It's got no carbon debt because it was made 30 years ago. Yep, absolutely right. And then if you look at things like tyres, so like a 13-inch tyre on a Renault Clio is 6.5 kilos, whereas a, like a tyre on a Land Rover Discovery is 15.5 kilos. Yeah. And there's four of them. That's so that's really 34 kilos of rubber and steel every time you swap shoes. And of course, being big and heavy, you need a lot of shoes. Yeah. See, that's where the resources are going. They're going to bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier cars. Whereas if we all drove around in 90s hatchbacks... Panda 4x4s. Panda 4x4s. If we all drove around in Panda 4x4s, the world would be a, such a happy place. Yeah, and you can get four Renault Clios in the space of three Land Rover Discoveries. So there's more parking spaces for everybody, so you yeah. can make parking spaces smaller, so that solves the overcrowding as well. I, I do think little, tiny, efficient petrol engines with super clean catalysts running on synthetic fuel is a much better long-term solution. And if you can make old cars repurpose and go again mm-hmm. with zero carbon debt, the, the tiny amounts of resources, because even things like brake pads and brake discs yep. on smaller cars are smaller. Yeah. So, you know, there's half the disc material, half the pad material, half the tyre material. Do that for every car in the world. Yeah. Overnight, you've half the resources needed. Completely. And we've we've all now seen, as, we, as many predicted, the uh, number of tyres and brake pads going uh, becoming a very, very expensive and... A necessary thing to replace on EVs because they're so damn heavy yeah, and they rely so heavily on their brakes and so heavily on their tyres and they're having to have special tyres developed because the cars are so heavy and yeah we're wearing through them rapidly because the cars are all two and a half tonnes and yeah that's it so by if you're thinking what can I do to save the planet 1992 1.2 Renault Clio <laughs> under it to death <laughs> yeah, yeah get it tuned up make sure the catalyst is fresh and crisp and that's it. You've, you've done your bit. That's the best thing we can all do. I'm driving around at the moment in a 1998 Volvo V70 that I bought off my elderly neighbour for 200 quid. Is that what you drove here in today? That's no, fair. I drove in the 911 today. But. Ah! <laughs> we come to the classic car How show. the other half left? But my uh, finance 911, I hate to add. <laughs> but my Volvo is my daily. So that's, I had a yeah. lease Volvo diesel, and that was a great car. And I thought, right, well, that went to the end. I thought, what, what can I get? What's, what's the thing? And this kind of, I thought, you know, I'm going to try driving 
an inexpensive old petrol car yeah. that I keep serviced and maintain just to see, you know, if I'm going to preach it, you've got to live it, haven't you? Yeah. So I've, I've done that this year and I've been driving it since January and it's been faultless. And that car cost me £200. That's very cheap. I know. And with the servicing, I put, I put a new battery on ready for winter. And so it owes me £480, that car. Love it. 480 quid. And I'll park it anywhere. I'll drive it anywhere. So that's the thing. All these people committing to leases and mm. kind of throwing the money into a hole, don't. Just get a 90s or noughties modern classic is actually all the car you need. And if you look after it, yeah. you could buy that outright for two, three grand, something nice. Don't have any finance payments. Mm. Yeah, no, again, all, all to youth. I sound dead old now. All to youth, saving up for their house deposits and stuff. Mm. Don't get a car on finance. Go and get yourself something cool it's from so the late true. 90s, early noughties yeah. for three grand that you own outright with no car payments on. Do a few cool bits to it. Yeah, maybe stick some sweet rims on. <laughs> Drop it down. And just drive it every day. Yeah, you're right. And, and I, I'm glad to see a lot of... I do see... Well, it's interesting. I guess it's probably been happening through every single generation. But of course, now in my mid going on late 30s I'm looking at cars that I remember seeing brand new when I was a child and looking at 18, 19 year olds now driving those because of course cars that are 30 years old are actually quite good yeah. whereas cars that were 30 years old when we started driving a bit rubbish. weren't very good <laughs> <laughs> and probably weren't 30 years old because they all would have rusted away by then but it's, it's cool to see it happening it's cool to see people are going out there and going actually yeah you're right why don't I go and spend even if it's two grand on a classic car that way, if it goes wrong, it can be maintained. I think people are so terrified of things breaking now. Nobody knows how to fix anything anymore, no. do they? So it's a case of like, oh, I won't buy a classic because they just break down all the time. Well, yeah, sometimes they do, but they're actually not that difficult, A, to fix or to get the parts for. And when they do, they're not actually that expensive. So, no. Yeah. And um, it's fun as well. So I bought a Vauxhall Calibra from Manor Park Classics the other day. So lovely, 16-valve Calibra. How many cars have you got now? 79 cars. 79? 79 cars. So it's got a bit out of hand. Wow. But I bought a Calibra for £1,000 with 80,000 miles, some service history, pretty decent, drives really, really well. I mean, people saying, I can't get into classic cars, they're too expensive, mm. the borrow is inaccessible. It isn't. You've just got to nope. think laterally. And I say late 90s, early noughties cars, which are now getting pretty cool. Yeah. You should get classic insurance on them. But you could drive a Vauxhall Calibra every single day. Yep. That could be your only car. It's got airbags if you get into a bump. Yep. It's got decent boots. It's got four seats. If it's posh, it might even have heated seats and air conditioning. I think it does have heated seats, actually. So that's a practical car. So that's yeah. what I'd say to everybody. Drop the lease, man. Yeah. Drop the lease. Forget the Golf R that you've got to spend £27,000 a year insuring. Yeah. Go and buy yourself an old Calibra. There's a lot to be said for it. Yeah. Or just an old Golf. If you want a Golf, get an old Golf. Yeah, Golf Mark 4. Three yeah, four. 3 or 4 would be, yeah, yeah perfect Golf. One, 180 Golf 4 is probably the only car you'd ever need, I reckon. Yeah. 79 cars, Paul. I know. Where are they all? Uh, a lot of them in my garage. So I have a, quite a big unit. Uh-huh. There's a garage next to that, and there's some more in there. Some mm-hmm. on the drive at home. Some are in my friend's unit. Hello, David. Hope you're okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, my friend David at the car crowd, he very kindly looks after a few yes, of those for yeah, me as well. David, yeah. He's a good lad. Yeah. Wonderful hair as well. Very good hair. Fabulous hair. Yeah. Uh, and then some are at home. And then some are, there's always like one at the paint shop, one at the trim shop, one somewhere. So, so you, they all get driven? Uh, not The ones at the back, obviously, infrequently. Yeah. The problem is, so my garage has got like a two car width door. Okay. But so it can hold 31 cars. So obviously, yeah, if you're yeah, trying yeah. to get the car at the back, you have got to pretty much move yeah. 30 cars to get it out. So not as much as I'd like. Yeah. And obviously the, the flip side is, I did an interview in Evo this week actually. If you're busy with telly, that's wonderful because it gives you the money to pay for the cars. But mm. then if you're busy, you haven't got the time to enjoy the cars. That's right. But that's yeah. hashtag first world problems, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't really moan too much about it. Gosh, that's a lot of cars. And how many do you sell? Do you ever sell them? I will. Do you know what? I'm gonna, the whole point is this is my pension planning. So I'm not a Love sensible it. person that thinks ahead. 
Well, you, you could, arguably, yes, you are, because you're doing it with an actual commodity, an actual physical thing. It's not in an account that might disappear overnight. That some, well, that's it. With, well, pensions do. with pensions, I mean, I, when I first started in car sales many, many moons ago, 30 years ago, I did take out a little tiny pension, which I paid into. And what's interesting is when I get that pension statement through every year, some years it goes up, mm. some years it goes down, and that's such a small amount of money, it just doesn't really matter. But yeah. I think you know, if that was a big amount of money... I'm not investing that money and they're going into markets that I don't understand where the beauty of classic cars is they do go up they do go down some cars I've won massively on some cars are kind of even a couple of cars have maybe made a small loss but overall the portfolio is doing okay and the nice thing about classic cars is A you can understand it you can look at the market you can come to things like this you can see where it's going it's very much something you can get your head around but also even if you don't make any money on them and I say this to everybody you're just having fun with the car Mm. and even if that's just looking out the office window down at the cars below and seeing your collection there's a joy in that there's yeah. a joy just to own a series of lovely cars or some of them are quite crap but <laughs> even the crap ones but you know like driving the 200 pound volvo or the yeah. renault espace i mean i actually really am getting into my period of enjoying incredibly crap cars now might this be the reason you've been given the executive producer role for this film because of the the sheer access of oh i've got one of those <laughs> it's just it's at the back annoyingly but for this car show, it's just going to be your cars, isn't it? Well, yeah, it could be, actually, to be fair. Although Tony's <laughs> given me a very specific list, which most of which are way above my pay grade, ah, to be fair. Damn. I did ask him if he wanted a Peugeot 505 in the film, but no, he doesn't. <laughs> but I just think it gives you an insight into different worlds, because I like... I mean, obviously, you're quite fashionable. I'm not. So, uh, to me, you've got to dress with the correct car for wherever it is you're going. So, if I'm going to a business meeting, I always think, you know, what? who is the person I'm going to see? Mm. And whereas uh, a more fashionable person might think oh, I would wear the correct suit and I'll, get, I'll put the watch on for that person mm. I don't even think about that I just think what is the car that this meeting needs yeah. or what's the show I'm going to today and what would they like to see and you know what it's like if you arrive in the right car as a car guy and it doesn't have to be expensive or flashy like a thousand pound Calibra yeah. at the right show that's a jaw dropper that's an icebreaker isn't it you come yeah. in a thousand pound Calibra I've not seen one of those for ages exactly just yeah. that's and there's the conversation started that's isn't it, it? And, and, that, and that you're person away. might be a future work colleague. It might be somebody that introduced you to somebody else. It's yeah, yeah. It's to dress just, with cars. Yeah, that's what I do. That's the title of your book. <laughs> yeah, dress with cars. To dress with cars. Styling by Paul Cowden. But someone says, well, and also as well, a bit like cars. Sometimes you just take the t-shirt, don't you? That's near the front of the wardrobe because yeah. it's clean. Cars are a bit like that. If it's near they the front are, of the very much. You know, if there's five to move and there's one at the front that yeah. will do, and it's got petrol and tax and MOT. That's it. I'm taking that one. Has it got fuel on the battery? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do Does that. it start? Right then, last question. So, what, which nine eleven did you turn up in today? I'm very lucky. Ian Litchfield, who you must check him out. Yes, Litchfield yes, Imports Motors, very very clever and lovely man. He found me the most beautiful nine eleven GTS, which was one of his clients' cars, and it is beautiful. Fairly new. Yeah, well, uh, it's uh, last of the nine nine sevens. Oh, gorgeous! Yeah, wonderful. and the, the GTS is an interesting model anyway because it's a, a run out. So of course they threw everything onto it, like yeah. center locks and sports chrono Brilliant. and performance pack. And I always think the nine nine seven is the prettiest. I agree. Of all the nine elevens, because it's also quite small as yeah. well. Because to me, nine nine one, nine nine two, amazing cars, but they feel big, don't they're they? They're huge. Yeah. When you sit in them, they don't feel like an old nine eleven, which feels like a tiny car. And it's Riviera blue paint sample, Ooh, one of one. They only did one right and drive one. And then the guy who ordered it ticked every option I would have ticked. Great. You know, when you see a second-hand car, you think, God, that's exactly what I'd have ordered. Yep. So full carbon pack, carbon gear lever, carbon handbrake, carbon cup holders, carbon door shuts, on Riviera Blue, sports steering wheel, diff, Amazing. just you name it. So it's like, if I'd had the money in 2012, and believe me, I really did not, yeah. to buy that car new, it's exactly what I'd have ordered. Great. And Ian's like, if you want it, and he's done 6,000 miles as well. Really? Yeah, just never been used, never been used. Gosh. But then everyone's going, don't drive it, stick it away, take it away. 
never drive it because of the crazy mileage. Mm. But I'm driving it. No, fair play. I think you, you have to. You've got to enjoy it. I think there's nothing worse than, you know, we never know what's around the corner, do we? We can have these beautiful things in our lives, houses and cars and motorcycles and all that, and we can sit it there going, oh, I'll enjoy that in 10 years. But then you might not be there in 10 yeah, years. Yeah, what's the point? and enjoy it now. What's the point? I mean, I, I paid a fair price for it, but I think I paid the kind of price that even if I put 30,000 miles on, I'd probably get the same money back. Good. So you think, well, you won't make any money, but who cares? Exactly. It's a free car, isn't it? If free you can car. drive it for no depreciation, it hasn't, co- apart from servicing and tires and all that stuff, but yeah. you, know, you have to pay that, don't you? Exactly. But yeah. I saw this amazing Jerry Seinfeld clip um, on Instagram, funny enough, the other day, and it's just him saying, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to be the guy with the highest mi- uh, mileage Porsche. Yes. And was it failure to enjoy as a sin or something like that yeah, yeah. I thought that's a really, and it really made me think right okay I'm going to run all this stuff right until the day before the salters come out and mm-hmm. the gritters come out and you just got to run them all the way through winter I won't run stuff in the salt that's really nice yeah I get it because it can kill them but I just think right up until the gristers come out I'm going to run all this stuff yeah too right get it muddy enjoy yeah, it yeah exactly it all washes after doesn't it exactly Exactly. Well, I better let you get back to the show because you've got actual things to do rather than coming and sitting in a weird room with me in the belly of the NEC. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. I really hope this film thing, I'm, I'm sure it will work out, but I can't wait to see it happen. I, I, it's going to be great. Can I have like a weird cameo role, a coffee seller or yeah. something? Well, there's, I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but there's going to be a series of a particular well-known character of which a lot of influence is going to play the same character. So, ah. so maybe we can get you into that. That would be great. That would be good. Yes, please. <laughs> I'll do it for free. Okay. There you go. That's great. <laughs> and I'll turn up on time. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And that's how you that's how you do it, kids. Right, Paul Callan, thank you so much. John Barker, thank you very much. Pleasure, pleasure. Uh, thank you, dear listener. More of the same next week. Don't forget you can see everything that we do at driven.site. Uh, you can also see the videos that we make on YouTube. You can get the entire back catalogue of podcasts on our website or whichever podcast platform you're listening on. And of course, don't forget to go and find Paul on social media, who can be found via Paul Cowland underscore uh, at all social media. Paul Cowland underscore. underscore yeah. Perfect. And where did the listeners find those pictures you showed me earlier, which were quite disturbing? Where did they find those? Uh, those are on the dark web. Yes. And yes, you will only see them there. Yeah. You'll know. On Silk Road. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't know anything about all this stuff. It's very confusing. Yeah. Um, it's, what, it's what you say to convince That's probably a good point to leave it before this list is involved. <laughs> yeah. And believe me, their expenses over the past 12 months have been big enough already. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Thank you for listening. More of the same next week. Go and find Paul, give him a follow, and look out for the film Classic coming soon. At all good cinemas. At all good cinemas. And probably and some, some bad ones. Rubbish ones. Yeah. 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 Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. The Driven Chat Podcast. Powered by Paramex Digital. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, wow, you've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links 
through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.